Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Marada, host of the program, and it is show number 106. Happy to be back on with you uh, live here on Facebook, headed to Voice Ed Radio Canada, as well as social media and iTunes. So thanks for tuning in and thanks for being part of the program. Certainly, as always, if you are watching live, we would love to interact with the audience. That's one of the great things about being live on Facebook uh, is asking questions and, and getting involved in the podcast and certainly interacting with uh, one of our, our guests today. Uh, Jamie J is, is here with us. And Jamie uh, has, has got a great story. Uh, he's a podcaster. He's a CEO. Uh, he's done a lot of cool things in business and beyond. And I'm looking to forward to speaking with Jamie about you know his world and, and his work and some of the things he's doing. A lot of leadership in there, a lot of the things that Jamie's learned from, from different people doing his podcast, uh, Culture Eats Strategy is the name of Jamie's podcast. So looking forward to, to talking with him. He's in Missouri and we'll be with him in a moment. I do want to thank uh, again, Shutterfly, uh, Shutterfly, excuse me, uh, ordering those Christmas cards, uh, Rocketbook uh, for being the sponsor of, of today's show. And here is the custom Andrew Murata Rocketbook. Um, I love it. And, and it's been a great thing for me. Um, here's what I did. I customized my Rocketbook, and here it is. Uh, it's got my, my schedule on there, my daily schedule, my appointments, my culture builders, and it helps me when I write it out. And the thing about Rocketbook, it's a reusable notebook. You can scan it into your uh, Google Drive, your email. You can take notes and scan it. So I'm going to turn off that page and go to a blank page here and, and keep my notes uh, that I'm going to take with Jamie today. So here, I got a blank page. I know when I'm done with the show, I'll have a page full of notes that I can scan and keep my notes. Um, so this is Rocketbook and the Andrew Murata Rocketbook is on my website, andrewmurata.com. I uh, would love for you to check that out. And, and again, thanks for Rocketbook for sponsoring the program. So let's get started. Again, it's show 106. Winter is here, everyone. It might not officially be here on the winter, uh, but it got cold here in the Northeast. I know it got cold in Missouri. We had our first two-hour delay in Pennsylvania today. So bundle up. Uh, winter's here, and, uh, you know, Halloween is behind us. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a great time of year, right? We're settling in, uh, getting ready for the holidays. And I can't wait to talk to today's guests about his podcast and, and his world uh, that he lives. Culture Eats Strategy. Right. And, and us as school leaders, us as ed educators, it's such a huge part of what we do. It's really everything we do. Right. If you don't have that culture, if you don't have those relationships with people, you're really going to struggle in your school setting. And, and we're going to talk to Jamie about that. But a couple of things that I wanted to bring out before bringing Jamie on is what are some things that we can do that don't take a lot of talent to help build culture? Right. These are some simple things that we as educators can do to build that school culture. And number one is have energy. Right. When we go into school today, it was cold. It was dark. Right. It was kind of raining and kids were all like, ah, it's a two hour delay. Right. You know, Marotta, why didn't you cancel school? you got to have energy. you got to have positive energy even when you don't feel like it. Number two, you got to have a let's do it attitude. Right. 
you got to stay positive. you got to kind of say, hey, you know what? That's a great idea. Let's try it, right? There's so many things that restrict us in education about why we can't do things. Have a let's do it attitude. Number three, being visible, being in the hallways, getting out, being in the cafeteria, talking with kids. We introduced our reusable trays today at school, and we were in that cafeteria. We were checking out kids. I was moving trays, and um, we're going to get going with that recycling program, and it was important for me to be visible. Number four, be inclusive. Include people, right? Bring in extra opinions. There's that philosophy of there's too many chefs in the kitchen, and I'm the principal, and, yeah, I got to make decisions. But you can listen to people. You can ask them what do they think. Bring people into the conversation and be inclusive of others. Uh, number five, do more than expected, right? If your teachers are expecting this amount, give them more. If your students are expecting, give them more. Parents, give them more, right? An extra phone call, an extra postcard home. Those things help build culture. And like uh, uh, Jamie's going to talk about, right? It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter how smart I am or how the great things I'm doing. Right. If I'm not taking those culture builders, if I'm not doing those things, you know, and the last one is be empathetic towards others. Right. Uh, we have a job to do. There, there's deadlines. There's there's things we have to accomplish. But if you're not being kind to people, if you're not being empathetic and, and understanding what things people are going through, that is a, a you know bad thing when it comes to culture. So model energy, have a let's do it attitude, be visible, be inclusive of others. Do extra, do more than expected, right? You want to have an extraordinary culture? The, the word extra is in front of ordinary and, and lead with empathy, right? Those are some things I want to ask Jamie about. Those are some things that I think as a school leader uh, that you could bring to the table without a lot of talent, without a lot of skill, without a lot of training. Those are just things that are good for culture. So that being said, let's bring in the man himself and today's guest, Jamie J. Jamie, welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Thank you so much for having me. That's a lot of Murata. <laughs> that was a lot of Murata, but we had to cut that short because we want to get to a lot of uh, Jamie there. Welcome uh, to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Now, I, I, you know you just said you got the beard groomed. Get, get that equipment out of the way. Let's see the beard. Let's see how we're looking today. There we go. <laughs> so, David, let, let me start with that. How how long did it take to get that? Is that is that a year? Is that five years? What, what? Tell me about the beard here before we get started. Oh my gosh! Well, I've I've had a beard ever since I got out of the army in 1994. Um, but it's wow. usually been it's, it was really short for a long time. I kept it really trim, and then uh, one one day I said, "Yeah, I, I let this thing grow out a little bit." So <laughs> over the years, it's been shorter, longer. But this is about the terminal length right here. This is about as long as it's getting. And it's the only thing that's really changed over the past couple of years has gotten a lot grayer. <laughs> And and now you just got it groomed. What are they? Is it like a haircut? What's happening here? How are they? How are they? How are they grooming them? And uh, I have this barber that I have. Uh, his name is David Eli, and man, he is like a he, he. It's like art for him, and he gets there and he has this really unique style. He's just, just swapping it off as razors are going through the air, and it's a fun experience. That's probably why I keep going back. He's got an incredible culture there as well, and uh, he's just a great and funny guy, and, and he does a great job trimming up the beard. Cool, cool. Well, I know we have a lot to get to, and 
you know, uh, when we first met, you know, through social media, that your your logo, right, with that culture each, uh, strategy and the beard there got my attention. But really the name of your podcast and the name of your message, too. Jamie, why don't you tell us that journey of, of where that strategy, uh, you know, no pun intended, but where that mindset came from uh, and a little bit about yourself. So why don't you kick us off with, with that story? Yeah. Again, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, what an honor. Uh, to be to be on the airwaves there and uh, yeah, live be live. This is great. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I'm a huge fan of systems and processes, uh, and I have uh, my own company where we help a lot of people out uh, in hiring virtual assistants. And so, one of the things uh, practicing by what I preach is um, having remote. Uh, workers um, working with our company has really forced me to systemize the business and and be very intentional about workflows and processes and organization because it's really hard for someone to kind of just know what I'm thinking, right? It's a lot easier if I write things down or I explain things in a certain way to where somebody else can understand that. And I think a lot of that has to go with culture. And that's pretty much why I launched Culture Each Strategy, because I thought it was a, it, it, it was a, it was a nice supporting podcast. I changed it from an old podcast I did was all about marketing. And I really wanted to talk about culture because I'm fascinated with it. And that's why I had you on, uh, because I was just fascinated with how culture works in school. I remember a high school's I went to a couple different high schools uh, and I liked one more than the others. And the one that I liked more than the others was the one where I felt more involved. I felt more accepted and their culture was just spot on. It was actually fun to go to school. Mm. It was easy for me to get straight A's there. It really was. The others, not so much, <laughs> you know, and the student body and everything. It, it, it just felt different at this one school. And this, this one school is called Fallbrook High School. And it was it was a ton of fun, uh, whereas before it was a little challenging. But I came up with this podcast, Culture Eat Strategy, uh, kind of together with a friend of mine, Christopher Lockhead. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of Peter Drucker, who back in the day uh, got hired by Chrysler to go in and kind of help them with their systems and their operations and internal uh uh, messaging and all of that. And he was way ahead of the curve. He started talking about culture and Chrysler didn't agree with that. They ended up firing him. He was way ahead of his time in that, hey, you need to have a nice workplace. You know, you're, you're talking factory workers and work and work and work and don't shut down and you got to do this. And he wanted to change all that. Well, yeah. Chrysler didn't buy into that. And nowadays you really need to have a, there's, a positive culture. I want to make sure I say positive on there um, because you can have a toxic culture at the same time. And that, that just terrible, no matter what, there's going to be a culture, whether it's positive or toxic is up to the leader, whoever that is, the principal. Right. Um, and so Peter wrote this book, um, culture eat strategy for breakfast. And I, I just, I'm a huge fan of it. Strategy is so key. And I don't care if you're running a, a, a high school, a elementary, middle school, uh, you're, you're at a professor at uh, a large uh, university. Strategy is very important, but without having a certain culture, in, in your case, your school, you want it to be clean. You want it to be safe so the kids feel safe coming to school. That's a nice, positive culture. And if you didn't have that, strategy 
would go out the window. Strategy is important. Uh, the way you structure your classes, uh, that you're, you're talking about scheduling and and how the scheduling is going to be uh, accepted by, you know, the staff and all of that. Well, mm -hmm. don't have a positive culture. It's really hard to introduce any kind of strategy, uh, no matter what kind of organization or institution you're affiliated with. So that's I why. And, and so that book kind of started this and, and 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 inspired you to get going with your podcast. Yeah, exactly. Because as Christopher says it, you know, culture is the true north. It is the thing that influences every single decision that you make. That's really awesome. Important. That's awesome. So, Jamie, let me ask you this. You, you're the CEO of, uh, you know, the, your business here, Bottleneck Virtual Assistance. Mm -hmm. So if you have people working remotely and, and not in an office, how do you build culture in a, in a virtual assistant type of business there? Yeah, that's a great question. I love this. So yeah. I, I think it I think it drives home culture even more if you're remote based. Of course, we have our meetings. You know, we meet a couple times a week uh, with my personal assistant. I meet with her every single day, even though she's, she's sharp. That Rena, I hope she's watching. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she is fantastic. But what we do is, I don't when when you hire somebody on. There's usually what people call a job description, um, uh, you know, or teacher. This is exactly what they're supposed to have, you know, in order to get hired. And those are usually written by the organization, the institution. Um, I don't do that. I kind of flip it on its head. And I have every single one of our staff writes their own job roles and responsibilities. I don't call them job descriptions. And that does two things. It, it, it empowers them to be creative. They're creating their own job role based on their expertise. And the second thing that does is it lets me know that, yes, they understand exactly what the roles and responsibilities of that position are. What's really neat about that is it alleviates me from having to micromanage. No matter if you're remote or you work in a brick and mortar, you're coming into the school, no matter if you don't feel like you're worth significant value, the output that you're going to uh, release is going to be less. If you feel empowered and you feel special and you feel, oh, wow, you know, they get me here. The amount of output that you're going to be creating is going to be a lot more and it's going to be done with intention. And whether that's remote or <laughs> brick and mortar, it really, really helps to define that I like to call it a basketball court. It defines the boundaries. Go play all you want all day long. Shoot free throws, do three pointers, run up and down the court. I don't care. You're doing, you created the boundaries of the basketball court. You're having fun with that. Now, the second the ball goes out of bounds, we need to blow the whistle, call a timeout and say, hey, what happened here? And let's, let's see what we can fix. And we never ask why. Uh, in, in my opinion, it's just a negative word when you're addressing uh, some form of, I don't necessarily know if you can call it discipline, but you, you, you want to say, hey, what happened here? Let them give you the feedback. Okay, great. We've solved this. We, we don't want to do that anymore. So now that we've learned how to overcome that particular challenge, let's put the ball back in play and you go back to having fun, doing what you love to do. And I found that that's a really good way of building culture remotely or brick and mortar. And then is the person that is hiring a virtual assistant 
picking the person based on the skills that they've offered or are you helping pair those people up? How, you know, how would the person select the person? Yeah. So one of the things is uh, we have questionnaires. So people say what I ask, there's a whole bunch of different questions on there. What are your biggest challenges? You know, what, where are the things that just, what are the things that drain you of energy, but you have to do them. And then what we'll do is we'll get all those answers back and we'll find somebody with a set of uh, a skill set that can achieve all those things. And here's the kicker, that person that we're looking for enjoys doing those things for me. I hate accounting. I hate doing my books. It's a pretty important aspect of business. So I went out and I found somebody who absolutely loves numbers and they love figuring all that stuff out and they love figuring out the balance sheet. I don't like that. I want to see, click three buttons, find out the health of my company and I'm off and running. So that that's kind of how we do it. Now, when we, I ask somebody to create their job roles and responsibilities, there is a basic outline of what's needed to be done. Mm-hmm. I love that they get in there and they just kind of, they kind of make it their own. And that's really powerful. Wow. So, Jamie, what would you say to someone? And again, I, I want to ask you all the things you've learned about culture. But what would you say where to someone like me that maybe ha- works in a very defined roles that people have specific defined roles. They teach X amount of classes. They have to be at work at X amount of time, All, you know, where they, they there are contracts and, and specific job requirements. What would you say to those people that don't have that autonomy uh, behind their work in terms of the culture that they're working in? Yeah, this is interesting because we could get really creative here as well. Um, take, for example, um, math teachers. Do you have multiple math teachers? We do. We got an all-star team. Absolutely. Okay. So on on all those different math teachers, they have a certain set of criteria that they must have in order to get that job. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Well, I've also had a bunch of math teachers, obviously, like everybody else as we as we grow. And there's a certain that's certain a couple of them that stick out in my mind, Mr. Zeller. I'll never forget Mr. Zeller. Um he was amazing. I can't stand math. I told you, I don't like bookkeeping or that stuff. I loved that math class because of the way that he taught that class. He had the same amount, everything, the same criterion was set for him as all the other math teachers. But for some reason, he made it fun and interesting. And he put a little twist on everything. Um, Frau Hoffman, my German teacher, I'll never forget her. And I took seven years of German in school. I had three different German teachers. I'll never forget Frau Hoffman because the way that she taught her class. We still had to do all the same stuff, but she made everybody feel good and special. We enjoy, I enjoyed going to sixth period. That was my sixth period class. I loved, it. I loved it because every time we went there, she, she addressed you. She listened. She smiled. The others, it was like, man, they were just kind of just, you know, ticking things off the checkbox. Yeah. I got this, yeah. I got this, I got this. Okay, be quiet. Duh, 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 duh. Man, she, she, she wanted us to talk and speak up and, and, you know, challenge her. And why? Why do we do it this way? Why can't she loved that? And I think that all the other kids, and it's probably why almost all the kids in the class got A's. I mean, it was, it made it fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, kudos to you for for setting your company up in that manner. Uh, Again, right, the great Daniel Pink uh, in terms of what motivates people is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And and your your job descriptions 
you know, allow for that. So kudos to you and, and your company. Uh, what a great idea. Yeah, it's it's just fun. It's just fun. And uh, yeah, did did you get that from Simon Sinek? TED Talk? Well, and Daniel Pink, too. Uh, Daniel I mean, Pink Sinek, too. Sinek has the circle, right, of influence and the why and the how. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Da Daniel Pink's TED Talk is, you know, mastery, autonomy, and purpose are the real motivators of people. And That's by awesome. you allowing those people to, to, to put that in there in their job description, right, they're good at it. They could do it in the way they want to. And they're serving a great purpose by helping other people. Yep, exactly. And and I think memory serves me correctly. Um, these are all important things. You need to have technology in the classroom. You need to have good attendance rates, high SAT passing rates. Uh, obviously, good graduation rate. Right. Very important. Yes. But, but in order to do that, you have to have a good culture because the kids want they. You, you got to have an environment for them to want to learn in so that it's not so much always having to do work. Yeah. Or yeah. Fun. One of our philosophies is right. There's the old saying, well, you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You know, our philosophy is, you know, don't, you, you lead the kid to the classroom, but you can't make them learn. Or, you know, we want to make them thirsty. Right. So you do it in a way that's engaging, uh, make them like it, kind of like you described with your German teacher there growing up, investing in the kids, connecting with the kids. So that's great that you have that memory of what made that teacher great. Yeah. Yep. And Mr. Heston, uh, my 10th grade history teacher, Mr. Heston, Frau Hoffman and Mr. Zeller, man, uh, by uh, leaps and bounds above, above all the rest of my teachers. But I remember those three the best. Well, and again, you're giving reasons why. Let me ask you this, Jamie. You've been doing the podcast a long time. What are some key points about building culture? Have you learned from doing the podcast about having? You've had great guests on. I've had an opportunity to listen uh, to your podcast. Again, Culture Eats Strategy. What are some of the things that you've learned about culture from some of the great leaders that you've interviewed? Oh, so th this is why I do it. I learn every single time. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating to me. I'm, I'm so intrigued on what works and maybe sometimes even more importantly, what doesn't work. I'm um, talking with Brian Scudamore, uh, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, uh, OTE brand is his overarching parent company. I think his company is going to do about 300 million uh, this year. He's doing okay. <laughs> but when he started out, he started out by himself, bought an old truck, and he was picking up junk and all that kind of stuff and hauling it away from people. And he built up to about 11 people. And he got more clients, way more than just he can hire or he could handle because he had 11 people on board. But he came in one day and he saw nobody had smiles on their faces and they, they weren't productive and they were complaining. Well, he fired everybody, let them all go. And... It was crazy because he lost business over this as well because he couldn't handle all the business they had at the time. Sure. But he wanted to make sure that when he walked into a room, he felt comfortable walking in there and so did everybody else and he wasn't getting that. And what that what I learned from that is yes, it's great to grow or scale or build or you know or but you have to find the right people. And this is why culture eats strategy every single time, because you can have the best strategy in the world. But if you don't have that positive culture, that culture with a couple of things that I've learned about culture too, is if I want to speak up, but it might be controversial in a toxic environment, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. 
And that's slowly going to wither, you know, make me wilt away. And, and I'll probably end up going off the grass is greener somewhere else. Wherein if you're in a pot of, part of a positive culture and everybody's smiling and they're inviting you to challenge them or to come up with ideas, that's what I'm talking about. Because now you're not afraid of the two people on the other side going, oh my gosh, what a dumb question that was. Or, oh, what a dumb idea that you're not going to want to say anything if you get responses back like that. So that's probably yeah. one of the biggest things I've learned is empower people to feel okay to make mistakes or to challenge the status quo. Cause you're, if you're not challenging the status quo, you're going to be the same. You're not going to grow at all. In my how about, opinion. How about recognition, Jamie? Do you hear a lot from leaders about recognition? You know, the great Todd Whitaker uh, who's in lives in Missouri now, uh, you know, says recognition is not an event, right? It's an ongoing thing that we as leaders have to constantly look for that because no matter the age, people still like that to, to get that recognition. Is that something that you hear a lot? hundred percent. And uh, Diane Gardner, she was a guest on my show who she came up with this. Grat I, I don't know if she came up with it, but she shared it with me called the gratitude token. And I think it's so cool. And what happens is if someone brings up or does something to help another person on your staff out in a positive manner, you can bring that up during a meeting and say, you know what? I'm so thankful that Joe Schmo uh, came up with this idea. It really helped me to finish this project on time. And I can't thank Joe enough for doing that. That really helped me. And she goes, here's a gratitude token, right? And she'll give that gratitude token. I, and you can go and it, with these tokens, you can build up and you can buy things or do whatever you want with them. But it was kind of neat because it's recognition. You're recognizing that someone else in the workplace did some unselfish act to help benefit somebody else. I nice. thought it was brilliant. I thought, I just thought, man, that is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Little things like that, right. To boost the culture and boost that. So, and, and you're right. It's amazing in terms of what we can learn. Another question about the culture. How about hiring? What have some leaders shared about hiring, right? One of my philosophies, I'm, I'm not looking for someone to get in line with the people that I have already. I'm looking for people to make new lines, right? And, and, and improve the culture of our school by doing new and different things and not being afraid to do that. What, yeah. what, what have you learned about hiring and, and looking for those the right people to add to culture uh, by doing your podcast? Yeah, I think there's so many different really good ideas out there. But in summation, what I've what I've taken from that is it's very important to understand exactly what your vision and your mission is, your vision, what you aspire to do, your mission, what you do on a daily basis to achieve that vision. And if you can understand that, making every single decision is based on a core set, uh, a set of core values um, that are in line with that mission and that vision. Now, when you go to hire somebody, you want them to review these core values. You want them to review the mission and review the vision, not just, oh, I'm going to, it's, it's not words on a wall. Like, I really want them to believe in this vision, this mission, and these core values. Now, they can think about it however they want to, but if they believe in that core set of criteria and they have a totally different perspective on the way that we're taking the direction of the company, I'm okay with that. But if we share that same similar belief system, we can move forward collectively 
because we have some kind of foundational attachment. But you're you're right because if we can get somebody completely opposite of who we are as leaders, that's the best. It's scary sometimes. You're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? But if you can do that, and they happen to believe that set of uh, a belief system, similar belief system, you're on the right track. You want them to believe in everything that you're doing. They have you share the same goals, the same visions, but the way that you get there is different. That's what I'm all about because you want new ideas. You want to shake things up a little bit, and you you as a good leader, you can't not appreciate something like that. Now it may not be the direction that is ultimately chosen and which way to go, and you can definitely address it. Thank you so much for that. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this, something like that. But give them the opportunity to come up with these crazy and wacky ideas. That's how new companies are built and made and awesome companies are doing incredible things because they've gone completely in a, in a different direction. And here's one thing that I did learn. Every single person on my staff is way smarter at something else than what I am. Way smarter. That's their zone of genius. Embrace it. Let them do it. If a designer designs something, I'm not going to get in their way. Now, the ultimate goal is to achieve this, but the way that we get there is let them be on their own feet. Let them choose what they want to do. I think that's a big part of what I've learned as far as hiring. It's just that. And, and again, that basketball cart comes back into play. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, Jamie. And dropping great knowledge. Let's talk a little bit more about your company and, and you know, that story and like, I'm, I'm listening to it, and, and I saw, again, interacting with you, getting ready for the podcast here, your your virtual assistant, Rena, was outstanding, right? Got back to me about all the logistics and right away and different questions. We had to change the time today. You know, she was fantastic. W what type of person is, would hire, you know, bottleneck virtual assistants? Is it entrepreneurs? Is it small businesses? You know, who who are your clients? Ah, that's great. Uh, so, we we actually are in the process of writing up six different buyer personas. So we have six different target uh, demographics. But in general, it's going to be somebody that is, um, you know, maybe they're, they're doing just a side hustle and they're really wanting to try and get something up and going on the side, but they don't have full time to dedicate to it. Um, you know, spend an hour a day for 30 days, get the company set up, bring somebody else in to kind of run it for you type thing. Um, but most of the time it's going to be small business or entrepreneur, solopreneur type deal that that just, um, you know, needs help with those mundane details that just drain like drains me of energy. Right. Yeah. If, if you can find somebody else who really thrives on that, uh, Raina, my assistant, she loves details. She's very detail driven. Me? Not so much. <laughs> I kind of, woohoo, I'm all over the place. And she has to kind of bring me back in sometimes, but she loves what she does. And we have so many different things that we need to get done during the day that, that just drain me of energy. She's, she takes a lot of those tasks. She handles my emails. She schedules. She, um, when I go travel, she books my travel. Just little things like that, that take time out of my day. So it frees me up to do things like this, you know, be on a podcast and, and, and do things like that. So I learned from Scott Beebe, this wonderful world called the word called delegation roadmap. Um, and this is good for anybody. I don't care what you do, but this is good for everybody. And take a Google sheet or a spreadsheet or handwrite it um, and write three different columns out. And in the first column you write task, the second column you write energy, 
In the third column, you write delegate. You write down every single task you do in a given day. And then next to that, where it says energy, is this something that drains you of energy or does it give you energy? If it gives you energy, put yes. If it drains you of energy, put no. And then the third column where it says delegate, if this is something you must do, you can put no. If it's something that you can delegate to somebody else, and here's the key, that can do it 80% as good as you are better, keeping in because it's setting up your mindset at the time, hey, I'm going to hire somebody on. They're not going to be up to speed a little bit, but at 80%, that's good. Mm. Start out at 80%. That way it gives me 20% of improvement. But if, if you can find somebody who can do it 80% as good as you, then you, yes, you can delegate that. And you take that list and segment it for all the things that drain you of energy and that you can delegate to someone else. Now, all of a sudden, you have a list of tasks that you can get off your plate. And it's 70-30 when you start a job or create a new role. 70% you absolutely love of that role. 30% you can't stand, but you do it anyways. Yeah. Part of the gig. What if you could take that 30% and hand off 20% of it. So now you're enjoying 90% of your work and not so much 10%, but the other 20% you're getting rid of. And somebody else that loves to do that is now doing it. Yeah. So that delegation roadmap. And I found that to be very helpful in, in what we're doing here at Bottleneck. So we help a lot of people out with that. And, and our, our clientele, our business owners and our <clears throat> small business owners and solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, this is a great way for them to get started uh, in getting that done. I'm sure you can introduce this in many different facets of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would think people listening to hear that description, you know, hopefully uh, they can get in touch with you if that's something they're interested in and, or there's somebody that could be a virtual assistant. I'm thinking of, you know, the wonderful secretaries at my school that, that know how to manage schedules, that know how to manage those fine details. When we run around trying to, trying to, you know, be in the hallways and in classrooms, you know, what would you say, right? Cause I get to have kind of secretary meetings and, and different things like that and can have those delegations. How do your clients build trust with those virtual assistants then that maybe they're not talking to on the phone or it's, you know, it's via email. How do they build trust that this woman's going to book travel in the way that I wanted or book the hotel in the right, you know, the, kind of the right spot that I'm looking for. I want to be downtown near restaurants, that kind of stuff. How yeah. do they build that rapport? It's the same way. If you were to hire somebody in a brick and mortar, you hire your secretary and this is her first day of, of work. Is that rapport there yet? Not so much. Mm -hmm. Does she understand or does he understand exactly what it is you want them to do on that first day? If you want them to, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, book, book a trip for you. If they, on that first day, no matter if they're brick and mortar or remote, they're going to have to ask you some questions. Yeah. More importantly, and here's, here's I, I think, probably the biggest thing I've learned about a good culture and good leadership it's really hard for me to get what's in here in my brain <laughs> outside. People just can't think they think they know what I'm thinking. <laughs> so I write down every way that I like to do things. Does that mean it's the best way? No, but it's the way that that's the level of expectation. So either I'll write it down or I do a short video and I'll say, this is what I want to do. And this is how I do it. And this now, if they come back and they improve the process, fantastic. But what I, 
also have each of the VAs do is they every time I click on the mouse, if it's a if it's that kind of thing, if I'm buying an airplane ticket or whatever, they will they will write down step one, go to this website. Step two, go to and every time they put a little snapshot of what that particular website looks like. Mm -hmm. It does two things. Number one, it lets me know that they understand the direction that I've given them. And number two, if there's an error or an area where there could be a possible friction point, I can identify that early on and get rid of that problem. And this is kind of where the whole remote thing kind of forces you to uh, systemize your 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 business, your processes, whatever that may be. So that I think that's really been really helpful for me to understand that. That's awesome. That's a great idea. And again, whether you're a school leader or a small business person, uh, it sounds like bottleneck virtual assistants. I mean, that, that's that's cool stuff, uh, Jamie. I also know Rena got you on a tight schedule, and we got to get you out of here. So we got to get rolling to uh, rapid fire questions. Uh, these are quick answers, Jamie. Are you ready? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> All right, I know you just got married here. We're gonna get you back. <laughs> get you here. Last book you read? Last book I the Talent Code. The Talent Code. The Talent Code. Nice. Last movie you saw? Last movie I saw. Well, it wasn't really a movie. It was a more of a show. C. It just just launched on Apple TV. C S E E. S E E. Is that scary? No. Uh -uh. Oh, okay. Oh. It's uh, it's uh, it's a, it's about uh, people and uh, kind of living in an apocalypse, but that nobody can see. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Pretty interesting. Favorite favorite place to travel. Favorite place to travel. Travel, um, who Florida? <laughs> Especially this time of year it was. What'd you say? Was it sixteen degrees in Missouri? Yeah. <laughs> uh, greatest challenge with your business. Um. Uh, Coming up with new, a new business model and and launching that into the world, sharing that with with uh, potential clients in the world. Cool. Well, hopefully, uh, being on the program will help you uh, today. You shared a lot about you know your motivation today and things that that work for you. How about something that is a pet peeve of yours, Jim? Pet peeve of mine: negativity, uh, cuff hat full type mentalities. Mm. Um. Um, or I should say cuff happen empty. Um, I, I have a really hard time with that. Um, there's always going to be challenges, but if you can approach the challenges with, uh, you know, some positive or positivity, it's just so much better for everyone. And so it's that and no need for backstabbing or talking down on anybody. I just, I just if you don't want to say something in front of somebody, don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> That's old school knowledge, but it's true. Uh, best purchase under a hundred bucks has, has had a great impact on your life. Uh, Audible. Love it, right? Yeah. yeah. I love Audible. <laughs> I love it. Something about Jamie J that people do not know about. Uh, I grew up in Alaska. Wow. That was fun. <laughs> so, it's, so it's warm in Missouri today. Well, I that was a long time ago. So I... <laughs> If you had if you had a billboard with a message on it, what would that message be? Be nice. And I know your message, you know, lead with kindness. There is part of your logo and all of that. Uh, very cool. Something that's been a, a professional or personal hurdle for you. Um, a personal hurdle for me. Oh man, this could go really deep. Uh, um, being homeless was, was definitely a, a huge hurdle. 
um, and and overcoming that, uh, uh, yeah, was, was challenging to say the least. But yeah, that's that's yeah. probably the the biggest challenge right off the bat, um, next to uh, losing my little brother. So wow. those were the two wow. things that devastated me. Wow, wow! I'm sorry to hear you know losing a sibling there, and uh, kudos to you for rebounding. You're running a successful company. You got a successful podcast. You just got married, so things are on the the upswing yeah. for sure. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. And it's that positive mindset and the, you know, what you're doing here. Um, Jamie, uh, short term goal, three to five months, personal or professional. Uh, personal uh, is going to be where <clears throat> we want to go to the um, all-star game in St. Louis. <laughs> That's Ooh, cool. Yeah. Uh, we've been planning on for about a year once, once since they announced it. Um, and professional is uh, to launch our company manual, which should be uh coming down the pike here in the next month okay and how about three to five years you know goals that you have set three to five years uh personal would be to uh have a, a second home in florida nice. and professional um think about selling the company okay a lot of work to do there but yeah five-year goals to uh have someone come in and take over yeah set something up right and then and let it go right Okay. <laughs> Jamie, you shared a lot today and about your company. You know, if people are interested in learning more or learning more about your podcast, how, how can people best get in touch with you? Uh, you can go to bottleneck.online. Uh, that's our company. And then uh, the podcast, you can just click on podcast right there. Uh, you can go see it there. You can pretty much search anywhere. Uh, and they'll, they'll get it going where uh, the podcast is on anywhere you can hear it. And uh, yeah, we, you can even Google virtual assistant companies and we'll pop up there on the first page. So, Well, awesome stuff. This is Jamie J, everyone. Uh, Jamie, was there anything that you wanted else to share that I didn't ask uh, uh, today uh, on education, leadership, and beyond? You're the, you're the man. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, seriously, thank you. It means the world that you invited me on uh, to talk with you. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, I am all in. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie and I met a few months ago. I had a chance to be on his podcast. And and again, for us educators and, and those living in the world of education, there is so much to be learned from the world of business, but more from your aspect in terms of leading with kindness and certainly that, that mindset of culture eats strategy. So right back to you, uh, Jamie. And, uh, you know, this is a great way to learn and, and share with others. So we appreciate the time. Thank you. And if I can say one more thing that I, that I think would be really helpful, every year I come up with the with my word for the year. This year I'm coming up with the new word on January 15th. I'll be making that announcement. But my word for this year was listen. Listen yeah. intently and soulfully to engage notably. Cool. And I'm going to have to wait for this uh, the, the new announcement. Why do you wait to the 15th and not the first? What, what, well, you know, because more weeks of waiting. Yeah, because it's extra special. Everybody, everybody else is doing everything on the first. <laughs> The January 15th. We'll have to look for that. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Cool. Jamie J, everyone, uh, Bottleneck Virtual Assistance. Uh, and again, Culture East Strategy Podcast. Let's get this music queued up here. Um, Jamie, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Again, go out and support our sponsors here, Ragged Book. There's your Andrew Murata Ragged Book right there. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you.